Okay, now we are going to turn our attention to God's Word. So we are going to be in Acts chapter 8. So if you have a Bible, feel free to turn back to Acts chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, we have plenty for you, and we would encourage you to bring your Bible on a Sunday morning. This is church. We read the Bible. We teach from the Bible. Kiddos, remember that. So please stand with me as I read from Acts chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go to the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened up his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. This is God's Word for God's people. Man, let's pray. Father, thank You for God's Word for God's people. Lord, You have revealed Yourself in creation generally to the whole world. But more importantly, you revealed yourself specifically through your son, Jesus Christ, through your word that you have given us, illuminated by your Holy Spirit. And that is why we thank you this morning. And we can rejoice just as the Ethiopian eunuch rejoiced because we have experienced the good news of the gospel in our own hearts and minds. And for those of us that haven't, Lord, today is the day of salvation. I pray that your spirit would impact their heart that they would see their need for You, King Jesus, the Savior of the world. They would repent of their sin and trust in You. And they would leave this building rejoicing as long as well as all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, go ahead and have a seat. Well, good. Well, we just read a powerful and unexpected testimony of this Ethiopian eunuch. And as we went through the book of Acts a number of years ago, this this scene, this salvation story would have represented the gospel going towards the ends of the earth back there. 
You guys recall Acts 1.8, Jesus came and He says, you're going to power, the Gospel is going to go out in power. First in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. Well, this story, this Ethiopian eunuch would have represented the ends of the earth in their time and culture. But here's the good news. It just didn't stop there. The Gospel leaped over the boundaries of Africa and it made its way all the way here to Fort Collins, Colorado. And that's what we get to celebrate this morning. And really, it's not only fulfilling Acts 1.8, but also what Paul wrote in Colossians 1.5 when he said this, Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the Gospel, which has come to you as indeed the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing as it does among you since the day you heard it and understood it. The grace of God in truth. And then what our church is named after, we see this in John 5.24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears My Word and believes in Him who sent Me has eternal life. And He does not come into judgment, but they have crossed over from death to life. And that promise is for everybody in this room. And today, we're going to be guided through Acts chapter 8 in this great salvation story through three questions. And the three questions are this. Do you understand what you're reading? Do you know the sacrificial lamb? And do you need to be baptized? So let's dive into this first question number one. Do you understand what you're reading? Acts 8, 26-31. We're introduced to this character named Philip. And really, Philip is introduced back in Acts chapter 6-4 where the church is starting to grow in Jerusalem. And the, the, the pastors, the elders, the apostles are being overwhelmed with ministry duties. So they have, to, they have to put some other men in place. You might say the first deacons in Acts chapter 6-4. And, 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 and so the apostles could go out and preach and pray and do the ministry. And Philip was one of those chosen individuals that the apostles chose. And then we get to Acts chapter 8. And we see that the, it begins in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. It says, now those, the Jews who were scattered, they were scattered from Jerusalem because persecution by Saul was upon them. So they had to get out of Dodge or else they would be persecuted for their faith. And these people, Philip a part of them, went about preaching the Word or the Gospel. Philip went to Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And then we see in Acts 4 through 25, verses 4 through 25, we see Philip's ministry. We see what happened when he went to Samaria. A revival breaks out. He's there. He's proclaiming Jesus. People are repenting of their sins. He's casting out demons. He's healing them. Again, the gospel is going forth. There is full on revival. This is an electric scene. I mean, can you imagine hundreds of people hearing about Jesus being healed, miracles happening, people crossing over from death to life. This is an incredible scene. And then it's in this context that we see verse 26. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down to, from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And what we see is that Philip is again filled with the Holy Spirit and we see immediate obedience. Which I don't know about you, but if, if you're proclaiming Christ and you're seeing this revival happen and demons cast out and miracles happening, wouldn't you just say like, uh, are you sure you got the right message for me, Mr. Angel? Right? I mean, because do you see what's happening here? I mean, the Lord is moving. The Spirit of God is moving. Things are happening here. You want me to go south to a desert place? That's all the directions you give me? Um, are you sure about that? 
And it doesn't say what the angel says, but I think the angel said something like this. Yep, bye-bye, you know, get on your way. And so Philip does. He obeys, and he follows what the angel has. And we see in verse 27, as Philip was going down, he runs into a prominent member of the Ethiopian court, king's court. Verse 27, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasures. Now, men, in verse 27, what is the detail that jumps out at you? Go ahead and say it. Oh gosh, a eunuch. Yeah, I mean, that even, that even hurts when we say it, huh, man? It's like, oh, I don't want to say that. But this was typical in most cultures. Any men that had a job around the queen or the king's harem was castrated for obvious reasons. They didn't want to get the temptation was there. And so for obvious reasons, they were there. But so, I mean, this eunuch, he must have really wanted this job, right? I mean, one of the questions I asked is like, man, this job, even though it's prominent and prestigious, it's like, um, it's got to come with some kind of hazard pay, right? You know, I mean, holy cow. Anyhow, but hold that detail in your mind because it's an important detail as we see a little bit later on. So he comes to Jerusalem to worship. He's, he's probably a Gentile, again, from Ethiopian. And so he'd been known as a God-fearer among the Israelites and among the Jewish people. A Gentile who worshiped Yahweh, Jehovah. Someone outside the nation of Israel who bent their knee to Jehovah. He came to Jerusalem to worship during one of the festival seasons. And again, he's a eunuch. There's a massive ramification about that, as I just mentioned, I want you to hold on to in Judaism for this eunuch. So remember this point, because we're going to come back to it. Look at verse 28. And he was returning. He was seated in his chariot and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Verse 29. And the Spirit now said to Philip. And so when the angel shows up and speaks to you, that's a big deal. But when an angel, then the next thing, the Holy Spirit shows up, now something big is about to go down. This is massive. This is awesome. And this is what the Spirit says to him. Go over and join this chariot. So what is, what is Philip's response? Look at that in verse 30. He walked over to him. No, what did he do? He ran to him. And he heard this Ethiopian eunuch reading the prophet Isaiah. As he's reading out loud. And he asked him the question, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Here is the reason why the angel told Philip to go south. There was a crowd. There was a revival going on. And God loves crowds. He loves to save individuals in crowds. But He also will create a plan and send an individual south to a desert place for one man, for one woman, or for one child. He will orchestrate heaven and earth to bring that individual to faith. Here we see the heart and the love of God for individual people. This is why He sent Philip south. Again, He created a whole plan to save this man. Don't you love that? Don't you love that that's the heart of God? Because really, the Ethiopian story is your story if you're a Christian. It's my story if you're a Christian. That Lord orchestrated the circumstances of your life and my life. He ordained them to come to pass. And He sent someone to you and me to share the good news about Jesus so you would cross over from death to life. That is the heart of God. And if you're not a Christian, the Lord has brought you here this morning to hear the truth, the message 
about Jesus, about His Gospel. And it's my job to play the role of Philip and explain that to you. And our prayer is that the Spirit of God will convict you and cross you over from death to life. That you would repent and believe in Jesus. This is the heart of God. And again, this guy was a prominent member of the Ethiopian king's court with incredible influence, incredible power. He was wealthy. He's, he's taking this trip seemingly by himself, so he's taking some vacation time. Ethiopia was about a thousand miles away, so this is a long journey back then. He's just not jumping into his beamer. He's jumping into his chariot by Bentley, and he's taking the trip up to Jerusalem, right? But what's even more impressive than all that is he has a scroll of Isaiah. That was unheard of back then. Only the priests in the temple had the scrolls, God's Word. But he had a scroll himself. You just couldn't go to Barnes & Noble and buy a Bible back then. No, he had to pay an extreme amount of money to have this scroll. And the scroll is not like our books today. It's, it's laid out. It's rolled out. And here he is reading God's Word. Philip hears him and comes to him. And he says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, no, I don't. And I love the heart of this prominent, powerful man. He says, I don't understand. Please teach me. It's a heart of humility. It's a heart of a guy who doesn't know everything. And here comes this young man. He doesn't understand what he's reading. And he opens up his heart and says, I don't. Please teach me. He invites him in. He invites Philip to come and sit on his chariot and teach. I love that. He has a heart of humility, a heart to learn. I love what Henry Ford said about learning. He said this, Anyone who stops learning is old, whether at 20 or 80. Anyone who keeps learning stays young. The greatest thing in life is to keep your mind young. And I would even add to that quote, especially when it comes to God and His Word. We need to understand this book. And we need those that that maybe have a little bit more wisdom, more understanding us to come alongside us. We need to have a heart of humility and say, I don't understand. Please help me understand. Teach me. We need to have the heart of this, this non-believing eunuch of humility to learn. And here what we really have is two great gifts given to us from God. We have the Scriptures and we have teachers. The Scriptures and teachers. Those are two great gifts that God has given us so that we can know and understand Him all the more. Now, this situation is kind of crazy. It happens, it happens, but it's rare, but it happens. It's like you're going in a, you know, a coffee shop. You get your coffee, you sit down, and next to you is this individual, this person that has their Bible open, and you're like, hey, man, that's cool. You're reading your Bible. That's awesome. I'm a Christian too. And they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not a Christian, but I have this Bible, and I'm reading John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever, should perish should not, whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Who's God's Son? Could you at that moment step in and teach that individual about who God's Son is? I know many of us in this church can because we, are, we have the heart of humility. We have the heart of wanting to learn and we have the Scriptures and we teach the Scriptures. But this is what's taking place. It's an incredible scene. Now this is a kind of a rare circumstance. Around here we talk about evangelism, relational evangelism. That we want to evangelize those who don't know Jesus where we live, work, and play. Those that we come in contact with on a daily basis. We want to build a relationship with them. Because there's a, a saying out here that we think is true, that people don't know how, how much you know or how much... Um, people don't care how much you know or what you know until they know how much you care for them, right? 
We, we have that phrase, you've got to earn the right to speak into their life. And, and that's what, through relational evangelism. And I think that's good. In general, that's a good way to approach evangelism. That's where you're going to have the most success is when you know the individual and you can talk to things about Jesus. But sometimes the Holy Spirit will prompt you and me to go up to a total stranger and open our mouth and share the good news of the gospel with that individual. Sometimes that happens. You and I have to be able and be ready to follow the Spirit's leading and guiding in that. I had a trip to Palm Springs for a ministry conference, and I missed my flight by two minutes. And so the plane was still docked. It was right there, but the doors were closed. A lot of circumstances happened where I missed my flight. So obviously I was a little bit upset, but I understood that the Lord was in control, and He wanted me, for whatever reason, to miss my flight. So I got on the next flight, and I sat next to this kid, or this, this young man, this little shaver. He's a 25-year-old engineer. And his job, his company sent him around the world to test out water slides. And so he was going to Palm Springs to test out a $20 million water slide that they just built out there. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Someone's paying you to go test out water slides all over the world? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, holy cow, how do I get that job, right? I'm just a pastor right now who missed my flight. And you guys know me in flying. I shared about me in flying that typically when I fly, the first thing I do is, oh, I find my seat, I put my earphones in, and I act like I'm sleeping because I don't want to talk to anybody. I got my long sleeve shirts on because I got to have my arm rest, and I don't want no dude's arms touching me, right? You guys know what I'm saying? And so, but in this case, that's not what happened. This young guy sits next to me. He's, he's chatty and relevant. I'm like, oh, great. Thanks, Lord. But this is why the Lord wanted me to miss his flight. We started talking on our short flight. And, and he just started opening up. He started sharing like, yeah, this is great. I got a great job, but I'm hurting. Life is hard. He explained some life circumstances in his life. And the, and, and the Lord just opened the door for me to share the gospel with this young man. And so I did. Now, he didn't repent right there, but the point is, is that sometimes the Holy Spirit, whether you're at a coffee shop, whether you're at a ball game, or whether you're on a plane, that the Lord might say to you, hey, I put you on this flight to share the gospel with this stranger sitting next to you. I love that stranger just as much as I love you. I've put you in this position to share the gospel. So share the gospel. So be available for the Holy Spirit to help Others understand their Bibles. Be students of God's Word so that you could be a good teacher. That takes us to question number two. Do you know the sacrificial lamb? Do you know the sacrificial lamb? Ask that question to yourself this morning personally. It's not for the person sitting next to you. It's for you. Do you know? The Holy Spirit is asking you. Do you know the sacrificial lamb? Look at Acts 8 verse 32. Now, the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. It's actually Isaiah 53, 7-8. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shears is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Verse 34. And the eunuch said to Philip, Here's the question, question number two. About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the Scriptures, he told him the good news about Jesus. 
Again, the Scriptures and a teacher. We see this rhythm. And what did He tell them about? He went from Isaiah 53 and pointed this young man to Jesus. Why? Because the whole Bible is about Jesus. It's about the redemption that we have in Jesus. From Genesis 1-1 where it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. You have to explain, you have to teach someone about Jesus, about God, because Jesus is God. In John 1-1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Later on it says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is Jesus. So in the very first verse of the Bible, it, we have to teach people, and it talks about Jesus. To the very last verse in the Bible, Revelation 22, 20-21, it says this, Surely I am coming soon. Who is the I am? Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. So from the very beginning to the very end, the whole message of the Bible is pointing us to Jesus. And here we have Isaiah in the middle of the Bible, and it doesn't give us who this lamb is. It doesn't give us his name. That's why we need the Bible, the whole Bible, and we need teachers so we can know who this individual is in Isaiah 53. And again... We have teachers like John the Baptist who tells us who this man is in John 1, 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him. And what did he say? This is the Lamb of God that has been talked about in Isaiah 53. This is, Jesus is the sacrificial Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. We need a Scripture and we need teachers. Jesus is our substitute he is our representative that died on the cross for you and me. And it's His death that we can be forgiven of our sins. That we can be clean. There was the great exchange that happened at the cross as Jesus was our Lamb. He took on all of our sin. He died on the cross. He made payment of God's wrath towards that sin. It should have been you and me up there, but He was our substitute. It was poured out on Him. And then when He rose again, we got His righteousness. The great exchange. We give Jesus our sin. He gives us our righteousness. Now, unfortunately, there's a lot of churches, there's a lot of people out there that don't want to talk about sin. They don't want to talk about the wages of your sin and my sin leads to death, leads to eternal separation, leads to hell. And the only way for us to be forgiven is through the sacrificial substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ, period and putting our faith in Him. A lot of churches don't want to talk about that. But listen, if you don't talk about the bad news, you'll never get to the good news. If you don't talk about Jesus' substitutionary death, then you leave out Jesus. And this is what Charles Spurgeon says when you leave out Jesus. If you leave out Christ, there is no refuge from the storm. There's no healing for the sick. There's no life for the dead. If you leave out Christ, you have left the sun out of the day, the moon out of the night, you have left the waters out of the sea, the soul out of the body. You have left the joy out of heaven. Yea, you have robbed all of it of its all. There is no gospel worth thinking of, much less, much less worth proclaiming in Jehovah's name if Jesus be forgotten. This is why Philip opened up his mouth and did what? Explain to this eunuch who Jesus was. 
Who was they being referred to in Isaiah 53? So for you and me, when we have these opportunities to evangelize and talk to someone about the gospel, do not leave out Jesus and his sacrificial death for sin. Got to know the bad news before we get to the good news, before we get to forgiveness and resurrection and newness of life. Now, the other thing I love about this story, again, in Samaria, there was miracles and healings going on, right? It's just crazy. But here, we don't see any of that. We don't see any miracles. We don't see any healings. What do we see? We see an ambassador of Christ, Philip, opening up the Bible and explaining to this Ethiopian eunuch the gospel with his words. The good news. This is, this is, this is, this is evangelism 101. It's men and women getting together, opening up the Bible, and sharing the good news verbally. Romans 10.17 says this, Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by... What are you hearing? The Word of the Lord. The Word of Christ. It's a very specific word, that word there. It's the Word of Christ. And when you hear the Word of Christ, that's what saves you. So here you have Philip. He's on a path with this non-believer. The Scriptures are open. And he's talking to him. And he's explaining to this guy, the eunuch, about Jesus. Does it remind you of any other situation? Maybe you think about in Luke. We have a man walking with two individuals down a road. And it says, beginning with Moses and the prophet, he started to explain everything about who? That pertained to him. It's Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Philip is doing exactly what Jesus did. And we do exactly what Philip did because we do want to do exactly what Jesus did. Again, we see the main way that God brings people to faith. The main way that God saves people is through you and me and through the message proclaimed, the good news proclaimed. His ambassadors opening up the Scriptures and teaching and explaining the gospel to those that need to hear it and need to understand it. So, who's the question for you? Who has the Lord put in your path? Who has the Lord put in your path? Who, who is the Lord calling you to run to to share the good news of the gospel? With those maybe in your circles of influence or maybe, maybe today when you go to a restaurant afterwards, and puts that waitress or waiter in front of you. Or maybe sometime this week, when he puts that stranger in front of you, you have some time, you have some time to interaction. Could it possibly be that the Lord might be using you to share the gospel with that individual? Ask yourself that question. Pray for that opportunity. And then when it presents itself, Share the good news of the gospel. Now, there's many ways you can share the good news of the gospel. One of the ways we like to couch it here at the crossing is God, man, Christ response. God, man, Christ response. It's an easy pathway to share the gospel. One God. God, in the beginning, He created all the heavens and the earth. Everything was good in the very beginning. Genesis 1 and 2. God created. Adam and Eve created. Created with relationships. Sin was not there. Man. Genesis 3. Man sinned. Man rebelled. The wages of sin is death. Apart from Christ, every man, woman, and child stands on the opposite of Christ, stands on the brink of losing their soul to death. Christ, this is why Christ was centered. 
He came to live the perfect life in your place and my place. He came to die on the cross for your sin and my sin. He rose again three days later and showed the world that He truly was the Savior. He was a sacrificial lamb that takes away the sins of the world. And finally, response. It's up to you and me as individuals to see our sin and to respond by repentance and faith in what Christ has done. And that's how someone is saved. That's the that's a plan. That's a roadmap in which you can share the gospel with someone this, 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 this uh, week. God, man, Christ, response. And that takes us to the third question. Do you need to get baptized? Do you need to get baptized this morning? Look at Acts 36-39. through 39. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. <coughs> which is amazing, because where are they at? in the middle of the desert. And all of a sudden, they come up on some, some water. And it's not just like a little, a little sprinkle. Let's see. What prevents me from being baptized? There's your question. And he commanded the chariots to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, dunked, not sprinkled, the Spirit of the Lord carried away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more. But he went on rejoicing. So after Philip explained Jesus from Isaiah 53 and gave him the full story of what <clears throat> Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was, the Ethiopian eunuch believed and he was accepted and entered into the family of God. Again, not because of what he earned, but because of what Jesus has done for him. And it says in verse 39 that the eunuch went away rejoicing. Remember I told you to hold on that point about him being a eunuch and coming from Jerusalem and going and visiting the temple. Here's why he went away rejoicing. Again, the ramifications of a eunuch in Judaism, they were dire. People would have seen this eunuch, the priests, other Israelites, other other, uh, Jews would have seen him as being defective because he was castrated. They would have seen him, they would have isolated him, they wouldn't have let him approach temple worship. Deuteronomy 23.1 has a very basic graphic saying on, on how to treat eunuchs coming to temple worship. At best, he would have to stay out in the court of the Gentiles, but they would have put a scarlet letter on him, so to speak. They would have isolated him. They would have rejected him. And he would have felt that shame. That there was something wrong with him. That he couldn't come and worship his God like everybody else. And the people that that he joined and worshiped the same God were shunning him and not embracing him and loving him. That's what he was leaving. He was leaving rejection. He was leaving isolation. He was leaving pain. And yet, he's still reading the scroll in Isaiah 53. And because Philip came and just gave him the good news that Jesus Christ is the one who fulfilled Isaiah 53, then that made the promises of Isaiah 56 true. And you ask, what is Isaiah 56? I'm glad you asked. Let me read it to you. Isaiah 56.4 For thus says the Lord to the eunuch, here is the God of heaven and earth, Yahweh, to the eunuch, speaking directly to this Ethiopian eunuch, to the eunuch who keeps my Sabbath, who chooses the things that please me and hold fast for my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than the sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be 
cut off. That's the promise. Now, when I get to heaven, I might want to track up down Isaiah because that last little phrase that he might not be cut off. Like when you're talking to a eunuch, bro, you might want to use a little bit different language, right? You might want to end that a little differently, right? But think about what he's saying. The Lord is saying to this eunuch that I'm going to give you a, name, a better name even than those in Israel right now. Better than a son. Better than a daughter. An everlasting name. This is why he's rejoicing because he has been accepted by the God of heaven and earth. Come as you are. And not only was he accepted, but he's given a position better again than the sons and daughters forevermore in the house of the Lord. That's why he is rejoicing. He has personally experienced Isaiah 56 right then and there. And here's the cool thing. One day in heaven, we're going to be able to sit down with this Ethiopian eunuch and ask him about this story. And he's going to say, man, all the shame, all the rejection that I felt when I went to worship Yahweh there. Praise the Lord that He sent Philip to intercede. Praise the Lord that God loved me so much that He, he te- took Philip from this revival to come track down me in the desert on a chariot. That He explained to me the Gospel. I'm rejoicing now because I'm a child of the King. There's no more shame. There's no more rejection. There is joy and rejoicing. And the reason why is because of Jesus and the Gospel. And the Ethiopian eunuch can now walk in newness of life. The burden has been lifted. The stigma has been lifted. And now he is a true child of the King that one day will sit in heaven and worship with the angels in all of creation and sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. But he's still on earth. And so one of the first acts of obedience after walking in newness of life is to be baptized. He sees water. There must have been some explanation about this going on. He sees water. He says, can I go get baptized? What's preventing me to get baptized? And there's not nothing. Now is the time to go proclaim your baptism because baptism shows you have crossed over from death to life. Baptism is just a, a physical reminder of what took place at the cross for Jesus. That he was put in a tomb and then he rose three days. It's, it's a picture of the gospel. That when we are baptized, we're about to celebrate that with six individuals. When they go under the water, it's like their sin is being cleansed and they are dying and they're going to come out of the water a new person. It's an incredible picture. This is what the Ethiopian eunuch was longing for. Can this happen to me? Philip said yes and amen. And now, right now, we get to celebrate this truth as well. We get to celebrate and we get to rejoice with six individuals that have crossed over from death to life. That once were in prison, in jail, oppressed, separated from the Lord. And now they are free. Now they are forgiven. And now they have a name that's given above and under every heaven and on earth. The name of a child of the King because of what Jesus has done for him. And so just like Philip with this Ethiopian eunuch, we get to experience the good news of Jesus and the effects of Jesus' name right now. So let's get ready to sing. Let's get ready to rejoice. Let's get ready to shout. Let's get ready to celebrate the six stories that have crossed over from death to life. Amen? Let me pray. Father, thank you for this story. Lord, it's a story of your love. 
It's a story of Your grace. It's a story of Your mercy. Not only for this eunuch, but for all of us who have repented of our sin and trusted in Christ. And now we get to celebrate. We get to rejoice with what You have done in these six individuals' lives. And so Lord, thank You for the Gospel. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for teachers. And if there's anyone in here today that does not know You, I pray that what they have heard this morning, the message of the Gospel has penetrated their heart. And their next step of obedience would be that they would be baptized. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.